0: Pittsburgh's talking about. The way our commonwealth funds its public schools is unconstitutional. That's what a state judge ruled in a landmark court decision last week. I'm with CityCast Philly host Trine Neri and Dale Mezzacapa, senior reporter for Chalkbeat, to talk about what this ruling could mean for students here and across the state. It's Monday, February 13th. I'm Mallory Falk and this is CityCast Pittsburgh.
1: had experience covering our state's education system, right?
0: Yeah, I actually covered this school funding trial um, alongside Dale back when I was a public radio reporter in Philly. So, Dale, it's so great to see you again. Same here. Yeah. And when I left uh, Philly, this trial had just wrapped up and the judge went off to make a decision. And now, almost a year later, we finally have one.
1: That's right. We have the decision. And it was ruled unconstitutional, you know, the way that Pennsylvania funds its schools. Dale, let's get you in the conversation. Was this a victory for school districts? Well, I don't know if every single school district is celebrated,
2: celebrating it. I do know that districts like um, Philadelphia, um, William Penn, which was the lead plaintiff in the case, um, these are districts that, for the most part, um, spend less money now per student than richer districts do. And the way Pennsylvania and most states fund their schools is a combination of local property taxes and state aid and some federal aid for mostly directed towards specific programs like vocational ed and and also for low-income students. Mm -hmm. The system as it exists favors wealthier districts. Wealthier districts have more money to spend for their kids because they can raise more in property taxes. And the state aid is meant to make up the difference, mm-hmm. uh, or at least to help level the playing field. But because of the way Pennsylvania historically has raised its state aid and distributed it and the amount that it's, that it has allocated to education, it did not level the playing field. It did not bring up the, the lower, poorer districts to the same level as the, as the wealthier ones. So you had this situation. In Pennsylvania, that, you know, the, the, the districts that had the most needs and had to do the most for their students had less to spend on them, uh, in a relative sense per student. So, and this is true in, um, most states, uh, have a similar system. And this is by no means the only lawsuit of its kind. I mean, there's lawsuits like this in most of the states, I think, or more than half of them mm-hmm. with varying results. In Pennsylvania, the courts up until this case, and there were cases filed back in the 90s here too, uh, always said this is not a, they, they called it the legal term is non justiciable. They said that this isn't a matter for the courts. It's a matter for the legislature and the politicians and the elected office holders to determine. Mm-hmm. And Judge Jubilee, you know, after hearing testimony for I think it was 49 days, uh, she reached a different conclusion. You know, she said that the um, system of funding was was clearly unconstitutional because not every child had the kinds of opportunity that they needed to succeed in life.
1: So, Dale, how does this latest court decision impact the quality of education?
2: Well, it depends on what you mean by, by that. Um, you know, a lot of people will measure quality in terms of, like the class size, for instance, smaller classes, teachers then have you know the ability to uh, pay more attention to individual students. Uh, they measure it by the um, the outcomes, you know, like the kids do well on tests. Uh, do they go to college? Do they graduate high school? They measure it by the uh, conditions of the buildings that they go to school in. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that if you have a classroom where most of the children have needs, most of them are behind, you know, that provides a lower quality because you have teachers who get burned
1: out. So it's a a lot of challenges. (laughs) Right.
3: Do you like to dance?
0: Dale, I know it was a long journey to even get this case in front of a judge. You know, this lawsuit was filed almost a decade ago. And before that, there had been other attempts to challenge the school funding system that never made it this far. You know, school officials have long said that the system is broken, but now we have a judge's ruling effectively calling this discrimination against poor districts in a way that affects children of color and, and children from low income families the most. What does it mean for a judge to officially rule that Pennsylvania's funding system deprives some students of their fundamental right to learn?
2: Right. Well, it should mean a lot. I mean, a Judge Jubileer is a Republican. So she is you know, definitely coming from a particular uh, se- sector in in Pennsylvania. And I must confess to not having read every word, but the decision is... Almost eight hundred. It pages was. It long. was almost eight hundred pages. <laughs> I was going to say you're forgiven. <laughs> okay, but I did, you know, just try to at least skim the salient parts. So she clearly and unequivocally said the system is discriminatory and unconstitutional. And she heard from people. I mean, the from all. You know, Pennsylvania is a very diverse state, and this by no means was. You know, just the poor urban districts that had. You know, mostly students of color in them that sued. It was, it was rural school districts. The Pennsylvania Association of Rural and Small Schools was, was one of the, uh, plaintiffs. Uh, a lot of the districts that, that were, um, in which you had educators and, and, and officials testify, you know, Panther Valley, Shenandoah Valley, you know, mm-hmm. districts with maybe a few thousand kids, if that, uh in these, you know, dying coal towns or dead coal towns, you know, in the center of the state, talking about how, you know, they, you know, their kids were learning in closets, you know, Um, kindergarten kids, you know, you had 70 kindergarten kids and one bathroom, you know, I mean, Johnstown was one of the plaintiffs, Lancaster. So it was a diverse group of, of, of districts. Right. And, you know, she realized that this is something that impacts all kinds of kids all over the state. Although it is also true that it's disproportionately affects districts in which there are, you know, students
1: of color and and mm-hmm. students who are economically disadvantaged. So obviously I represent Philadelphia, but Mallory, you are uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, Dale, Philadelphia was not a plaintiff in the case um, and neither was Pittsburgh, but uh, how could schools in Philly be affected by this ruling.
2: Well, that's a that's a really good question. Um, you know, the standard reaction was, you know, we're heartened by this. So one issue is that, you know, this the the state legislature back around the time that this court case was filed did establish a funding formula for distributing school aid that was considered to be a fair funding formula and that gave weight to conditions such as, you know, economically disadvantaged special ed, you know, English language learners, all that. Uh-huh. But it did not apply it to all the money. It only applied it to the new money that is added each year to the, to the budget, assuming that the educa- basic education aid goes up. So, you know, say if, if the entire pot of money, which is something that Governor Shapiro, who filed an amicus brief when he was attorney general, might do is say, well, we, you know, all the money should go through this formula. In that case, Philadelphia could get almost a billion dollars more. Wow. What about my side here in Pittsburgh? So I know a lot less about it, but one thing I do know about Pittsburgh is that it has been losing student population. Mm-hmm. And because of the way Pennsylvania had been funding the schools, saying that no school district could receive their so-called hold harmless clause, no school district could receive less the next year that it did in the prior year,
0: mm-hmm.
2: even if its population was going down, uh, Pittsburgh actually benefited from that right. because they had a declining population, but their state aid didn't go down in the same amount. Hmm. You know, it's, it's a relatively poor city surrounded by wealthier suburbs, you know? Mm-hmm. And some of the, I think some of the highest spending districts are right around Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, wh- how much more, you know, Pittsburgh might get in the same situation with Philadelphia, would they be able to hire enough people? Uh, would they be able uh-huh. to direct the resources where they're needed? I'm not sure where, how, what, what, state their buildings are in, but I'm sure their school buildings are older um, relative to the districts around them. So, you know, the vision that the judge laid out and that some of the plaintiff witnesses laid out was that every student who walks in the door, you know, has a has a reading issue, mm-hmm. uh, has maybe an emotional issue. You know, they'll have a behavioral health specialist that they can draw on. You know, they'll, they'll have up to date textbooks, you know. Yes, uh, that's important.
3: <laughs>
0: I remember the te- the teacher who testified that she was teaching social studies with the textbook from the nineties and Bill Clinton was still president.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they could buy, you know, up to date materials, which of course in this, these days don't mean an actual book necessarily, but, you know, be able to, you know, uh, Provide kids with all the modern technology. Right. So, Dale,
1: what, what happens next? What happens next in this case? Do we know how the state will go about funding education?
2: No, we don't know. We'll know more uh, in about a month because the, I did a story in which, you know, the Republicans had a predictable reaction. You know, um, they thought that the, the judge had overreached, uh, which was their argument all along that this is a matter mm-hmm. for the legislature. But they have till the 9th of March to appeal. And no one has come out yet and said, we're going to appeal that I'm aware of anyway. And Governor Shapiro said that he's carefully reviewing the decision. So, but he's making his budget address on the 7th of March. So between what he says and whether or not an appeal is filed, the governor could still propose, you know, a budget. But if there is is not an appeal, uh, I guess it could, you know, a wholesale change could happen much quicker. But we don't know that yet.
0: Dalma Zacapa, senior reporter for Chalkbeat Philadelphia, and CityCast Philly host Trine Neri. thanks for joining me on CityCast Pittsburgh. Thank you, Trine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed it because I'll actually be part of the Philly team for the next few weeks while CityCast Philly looks for their next lead producer. But (laughs) Pittsburgh will be in good hands. Lead producer Megan Harris is back on board.
1: We'll have links to Dale's latest stories about this court decision and the state's funding case in our show notes.
0: A little more news before you go. Mayor Ed Ganey is expanding police presence downtown as part of his larger plan to improve the Golden Triangle. Starting sometime in March, 18 officers will patrol the area in shifts. A group of trained civilians will also be on hand to help with non-criminal nuisances and link people with mental health services. And A Hometown Hero is the latest target of a book ban. The Duval County School District in Florida pulled almost 200 books off school shelves, including a children's picture book about Roberto Clemente. As you might expect, some Pittsburghers are not having it. Mary Mack Bakehouse, whose cookies we've discussed on the show, tweeted a great idea. She says Major League teams should give out copies of the book at spring training games in Florida. I love that. And our condolences to Philly on their Super Bowl performance. Luckily, they're used to losing, right? That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Resetting the alarm to feed Pebbles at 4.30. This dog is never going to eat.